This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's something we have never seen before in this province, and it strikes directly at the cultural community that we support and promote here. The opening night of the Stratford Festival was cancelled because of a bomb threat, and that comes just days after a bomb exploded in a Mississauga restaurant, injuring 15 people. So what is going on, and what does it mean for our freedom and safety? Not to mention the summer cultural tourism season, which this very, very high-profile event kicks off. I would like to hear from you. Uh, I'm hoping that people do not change their plans for seeing plays. We like to hear about that as well. Are you going to Stratford? Are you going to Shaw? What do you think of what happened? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And right now, uh, let's go and welcome Ross McLean, security and terrorism expert. Hi, Ross. Good to be with you here, Libby. Well, what did you make of this? This is really something we have never seen. I've I've heard some uh, fairly wacky speculation on the motive, but I don't know. What are you hearing? Well, we're all hearing not too much. There's, we're not hearing too many specifics about it once again. What we do know is a bomb threat was uh, phoned in uh, just at the start as the, the season was about to kick off with the theatre at a very popular destination, as you know, and everybody loves Stratford who's ever been there. And they had to evacuate the theatre, take people out on the streets, tell them to stay in their homes and how to deal with it. And we're slowly... Uh, starting to hear some of the information. Uh, My understanding is, and there's some important points here from an investigative point of view. A call was sent into the theater that threatened that there were explosives in the theater somehow. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, a second communication, I'm going to say communication because we don't know how it was done, was done to the local Stratford police to tell them that there was a bomb or explosives that were put into the uh, into the theater. So that's a little unusual in itself. You'd have someone call the theater and call the police. Really? It's unusual? It is. You don't usually call the police if you're like why why do you want to expose yourself to that? There's a reason why you're doing it. You want it to be taken more seriously. So some of the interesting questions we haven't had answered yet is when you do a bomb threat, when you get a call, if you're lucky it's into a taped line. You ask some questions, but there's some things you look for, Libby. You want to capture the voice of the person, male or female. Does it sound old or young? Does it sound like a high school kid giggling in the background while they're making the threat so you don't take it so seriously? Does the person have an accent? If so, what type? Do they use uh, specific language, specifically saying the type of device and the type and the location? The more specific they are, the more important it is uh, for doing that. And from that, you can do a good threat risk assessment on it. So my question is, uh, one of the ones I want to find out about, is what do they know about that call? What, how was it 
taken seriously? What were some of the indicators that would normally lead you to take it very, very seriously? Well, uh, wouldn't wouldn't there be a big risk in taking a chance? Completely, there's a big risk in taking a chance. Uh, completely, that's why they would have evacuated. They canceled for the night, as you pointed out. We were, you know, we had this bombing just here in Mississauga a little while ago. You cannot take a chance anymore when you get these calls. You have to respond to them. So the question becomes: What was the motive behind doing this? Uh, you raised a very interesting point, and I'm glad you did it at the end, saying that people should continue to take care of uh, and go with our tourism in Ontario. It's a great place. Let's not forget that just uh, within the last month, was it? Uh, there was a letter that was put out that was sent out from uh, an Islamic group that claimed that they planted needles, broken glass, nails, and pins on all the northern beaches. And they said that they were going to try to destroy the Northern Ontario uh, tourist uh, operation. And they said, you're weak, and we know that we can do this. Was this tied to that? I mean, that's certainly a question that I have. Well, the the speculation that I heard had to do with the fact that Martha Henry, a woman, was to play Prospero and will tonight play Prospero in The Tempest. I don't know, that sounds a little strange to me. You know, even in opera, hundreds for hundreds of years, there have been so-called pants roles where women play men. In Shakespeare, men played women. So, I don't know, I think... That may just be speculation. Do you know anything else about a possible motive for this? Well, no, and that's where the the call that came in will be important for the things that were said and how they said that. And yeah, I'd be surprised if that was the reason as well, too. You're exactly right. The theater is all about that. Shakespeare was all about that. Different genders playing different roles sometimes, you know, men dressed up as women and the whole thing. But if if the call indicated that when the threat came in, that would certainly tell you something. Uh, But, you know, the other thing that's getting strange is I we've talked before, I think we're seeing people, uh, groups who have ideologies and problems, uh, utilizing the strategies and tactics that terrorists use. We talked about this last time when we had the CSIS, uh, former CSIS guy on, and he said, well, yeah, unless it's an actual ideological, uh, political terror threat, we don't really deal with it. And he, they're leaving it to the local police forces to try and figure out and prevent and deal with these sort of things. So, you know, that's really the key question that I have is what the, the call is going to be the clue to me for everything. Do they have the phone numbers? Were they able to trace it? Was the voice disguised? Was it male? Was it female? Did it give a reason for why they did it? The police may be keeping that quiet right now, but it's going to be uh, one of the best indicators we have. Yes. Now, we also had an update on the Mississauga bombing. What do we know about that one? Well, we... Uh, The police have come out and said what I've been uh, saying for a little bit, at least anyways. Um, There's a possibility that one of the uh, suspects is female. And it was possibly the first one. If you look at the picture that's been posted, the only one they've posted, by the way, from the CCTV, as far as I can tell, is the one picture. You can see that there appears to be a bit of padding on the body to try and make it look differently. But you can tell, look at the shoes, you look at the hands, you can see that they're smaller than what you would expect to be on a guy sort of thing. Um, now, I, I don't know that they're looking at this, but I, I've got concerns. Once again, you talk about motive. They say they don't have any motive yet. They can't, they don't understand it. They've spoken to everybody in the restaurant. They've spoken to the owner. They've all been interviewed and the police at this time are saying they don't have a motive. But I'm looking at those people and particularly if one of them is a woman, uh, 
they're dressed the same way, same way that Antifa dresses. They dress in black. They're wearing the same top. They got the hoodies on. They got their face covered. Go look at any Antifa problem that we've had anywhere in uh, Northeast United States, and that's their style of operation. And they've been getting more violent, Antifa. They're beginning more and more violent, more and more bold. They're assaulting people. They carry basically clubs with signs on them when they go what places. What would they have against an Indian restaurant? Well, that's the question. Could it be something that India did somewhere? Could it be the fact that they have the way that they treat animals for their where they prepare their meal for hallow meals? Could it be? I don't know. What what could it be? We don't know. The police say there hasn't been any sign of motivation, but we do know it's a commercial place attack for no reason. We've seen here restaurants in Toronto protested because they do wild gaming meat. We saw the Google headquarters, the woman went down there and shot it up because she was a a PETA person for doing it. There was another restaurant, a vegan restaurant, some vegans firebombed a restaurant down in the States a little while ago. So to your point, could you be offended by a, a woman playing a man? Could you be offended at the fact that someone serves meat? Some groups are. Some are. Okay, before we get to the phones, now, Stratford, they're increasing their security. They're going to be checking bags coming in. This is standard in a lot of places around the world. We've been very fortunate. It hasn't come here, though. If you go to a courthouse, you go to the airport, you have to go through security. So I'd like to know from our listeners, is that a problem for you, getting checked when you go into a public place like a theater? Maybe because you're used to not having to go through that. Is that a problem for you? The number is to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And Ross, the one thing, though, is that checking the bags beforehand would not have prevented this. No, it's in... And this sort of thing that they're doing now, they're putting a little bit of coverage on it to do it, and they're doing the minimal that they can. But I'm going to point out something important here. This is one of the goals of terrorism and terrorists, is to drive up the costs of running events. I mean, I guarantee you that Stratford does not want to have the cost of having brought on all these extra security officers, bringing in ones who know how to wand. You have to get special training for ones who know how to search so they can search quickly. Otherwise, you get great big long lineups that it can hurt the experience of going to the theater or doing the event. So part of their goal is to cause terror and then have you to ramp up your spending for it. And it makes life all that much more difficult just to get through. Okay, let's go to the phones. We've got Sharif in Mississauga. Hello, Sharif. Sharif, are you there? Cat's got his tongue. Sharif, give you one last chance. Okay, Sharif, you'll have to call back. We've got Victor in Etobicoke. Hi, Victor. Hey, how you doing? Fine, how are you? Good, listen, you know, I, I, I'm, really, I'm really mad about everything, especially that front page news uh, on the sun this morning, you know, like F the cops and whatever, you know. I'll tell you something, the government's fault. They let them in, now you got to deal with it. There's nothing we can do, I'm telling you, please. There's nothing, nothing. They are more powerful than us. Who, who? you gotta, you got to imagine, you don't, you don't understand how powerful these people are. We, we have I, no idea what this is about, Victor. What, what are you talking about? The Stratford evacuation and the bomb threat? Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, the government brings them in. Now you've got to deal with it. Okay, that's Victor, it. that's... You, you, that's you just uh, got to deal with it, Libby. That's all. Okay, thanks for your call. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bill in East York. Hi, Bill. 
Hi, good afternoon. Good show. I like your program. Uh, just a short question for your guest. Can he briefly describe the two types of cameras when I go to, like, community center, a public place or a private place? I see the round cameras, uh, like they're half a, a, a spear, and then I see the other ones that hang out and then they hang down. Can he sort of briefly describe those? Because uh, I'm just curious for my own privacy and everybody else's. Okay, and I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, generally speaking, I think he's what he's getting at is the traditional ones we're used to seeing outside buildings are fixed CCTV cameras and big housings pointed at an entrance. And what he's talking about, those little tiny ones you see in domes, little smoke domes, they're called speed domes. And in there, you can have cameras that are high speed, pan and tilt with zoom on them. And they're they're very quick uh, to look around to be able to zoom in on stuff. And you can actually get them these days. Um, let's say you have it on a parking lot at night and there's nobody, not supposed to be anybody in there. It It'll pick up if it sees some movement through the parking lot. It'll pick them up, track after them, zoom in on them, and cover it, even with no one controlling it. So there, we've got there's some pretty effective CCTV out there these days. And uh, our caller just said he was thinking about his privacy. Yeah, Bill, uh, if you're in a public place. There is no privacy. There are cameras all over the place, often for very good reasons, and I think everybody should assume that when they're out in public, they're, they don't have privacy. Uh, am I correct with that, Ross? Yeah, you're correct. But, you know, the thing that always comes up with CCTV is there's a responsibility on those using it to use it ethically and use it correctly and make sure the cameras aren't pointed in the certain directions. Or let's say you've got a camera on the outside of a public building, but the camera is capable of panning and tilting and looking at the apartment building next door and zooming in sort of thing. So there's concerns that you want to make sure that they're operated correctly. Okay, now we are going to bring in the mayor of Stratford, Dan Matheson. Mayor, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So first of all, uh, our hearts go out to you. That is a, a, te- a terrible thing. Uh, is there any other information you have about it that you can share with us? Well, I can say that, you know, the call that came in was a threat, and we take public safety threats like all institutions, all governments should very seriously. It aired on the side of caution, we evacuated the building. We're happy to report that nothing was found. We've taken precautions to ensure that the building is secure and patrons will be safe. Opening week continues tonight with an outstanding production of Music Man, and Donna Fiore is going to wow the crowd as a director, and it's just going to be a good night, and the week will continue. Mm-hmm. What do you make of this? What impact do you think this will have on the season? I mean, this event, it's, uh, it's the kind of event everyone wants to go to. The opening night at Stratford, you now have 1,800 people that either have to reschedule or have to be refunded. So, yeah, that's a, a, an easy problem to either refund or reschedule. I think what's going to happen, I don't think it's going to have a lasting impact on the season. I think you have to break it into two issues. First, there's the operational one, which is security, ensuring that we take all precautions and measures to ensure that the building's safe and the patrons are safe. And that, that's an operational matter, and that is well underway. It was uh, paramount in people's minds before the call came in, because you always think about that, and it's very paramount in our minds today. The second half, though, is the Stratford Festival is really driven by the cultural uh, images and the art that we put on the stage. And that is not going to change based on last night. We are still going to put on incredible productions this year. Martha Henry is going to walk across that stage as Prospero and, Te- and the Tempest. Uh, 
sometime uh, this summer a number of times, and people are going to be wowed by that. And I think that we just have to remember that we're here for the art and the culture and the organizational and the opera- operational issues we're going to deal with very strongly. And Ross was just mentioning that one of the motives might be to add cost to the whole the whole structure. Is that something that worries you? Well, I think cost is inevitable whenever you have to increase your operational and organizational uh, abilities. And I think in this case, we'll look at those. There are cost-effective ways of doing things. For example, uh, today, if you're coming to the theater and you don't have any bags with you, you'll be able to walk right in. If you do have a purse or a bag with you, they will probably uh, be searching it. They will most definitely be searching it. There are things like that. We can use our volunteers to do that if we train them properly. We can use theater staff that already exist. There's lots of ways that we can keep the cost down. Uh, and there's other options that will come forward in the coming days. Mm-hmm. And are you planning any kind of public relations campaign or anything like that in the wake of this? Well, I think that'll be up to the theater to look at how they'd like to move forward, and the city will work hand-in-hand with them. I think what we've seen in the last 18 hours since this story, of course, broke is that we have one very widespread support across this country and in North America. We have an incredible, resilient community and theater acting company that have all come together. People have taken to social media to express not only their outrage and disappointment, but also their love and support for the theater. And we are now going to really transition that. And what we could really ask people to be is our brand ambassador and to remember what they love about Stratford and just promote us. And I think at the end of the day, happiness and optimism wins out over fear. And I don't think anyone here is going to retract in fear. Mayor Matheson, do you have any inkling or a better idea than we do of what the motive for this might have been? No, I've chosen to let the police do their work, and often they do their work in silence. They don't like to share the information because, of course, there's a criminal investigation underway. I have every confidence that the Stratford Police Service, led by Chief Foster, and, of course, the men and women that are in that service will do a good job. I do know that they have the operational support of other police services, from across the region, and, and the Premier reached out today to offer the assistance of the OPP, and I know that they'll take those advantages where they're needed and make the best of them. Okay. Uh, anything you would like to leave us with? It's the 66th season of the Stratford Festival. It started in 1953 in a tent because of economic downturn within this community. Today it employs 3,000 people directly and indirectly and generates $140 million of GDP, but most importantly... It's a cultural icon of this country, and it's the best theater you're going to see. I just ask that people remember that. Know that they're going to be safe and come out and support the Stratford Festival. Okay, Mayor Dan Matheson, I'm sure you're having a very busy day. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Okay, uh, we are back here with Ross McLean. Did you hear anything uh, that would twig anything for you there? Yeah, there was a couple of things that, uh, or at least one thing that tweaked it for me. First, I'm thinking, you know, that mayor's job isn't too hard. He's selling Stratford Theater. That's a pretty good product to sell. So Stratford's a great area. So, you know, that's pretty good. I'm glad for him that way. But uh, you heard the way he finished off saying that this is an icon. This is something that people travel. This is something that is known. And that's one of the sort of things that if someone does have, if you will, a terrorist-type intent or to cause problems, that's what you're going to target icons. For the longest time since uh, 2001 when the World Trade Center 
uh, went down. People recognized if you had what are called landmark buildings uh, in your city or in your area, the security went way up on those, way up. I mean, you couldn't park near them, you couldn't get into them because you recognized they were a target. So the question now is, like I say, it's still my speculation between what happened with the beaches before and what happened here. Uh, he said he's left it in the hands of the police, which is a fine thing to do. I hope the police will come out and just let us know what perhaps the, the genesis of this threat was, if they know. is this Was this really an attack on our tourism? And if it is, we have the beaches, we have this. We got to do something it about that. Could be anything. Could be somebody who wanted a part and didn't get it. I mean, it could be well, absolutely yeah, but, anything. But they'll know some of that based on the call, as I said. And 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 I said, here's the other key thing: you don't have just one call; you have two calls. And if the call went into the police station based on the number it went into, it would have been a recorded call. So, and there's ways that they can track numbers down. I won't go into some of them here, but I used to laugh about people when they think they could get away with doing bomb threats and stuff. There's some very sophisticated things that can be done. But it's, I think the important thread that I look for here, Libby, is is this a thread that's tied to the others? If they can say no, I mean, that's one of the good things police do. They rule things in or they rule them out. It'd be great if they ruled it out and said, as best we could tell, this was a hoax by some small-time uh, player who was just looking to get some attention and cause some trouble. If they can say that, I think that's a good thing to know. And again, we heard that they checked the place thoroughly, and now people coming in are going to have to go through security unless they don't carry any bags. Yeah, one of one of the things that uh, the mayor said there talked about using some of their own people to do searches and look around. That's good, but you know what? You need training to recognize what it is you're looking at. You need training to know what bombs look like. You need training to look at where you need to look. Particular, it could be stuff left around the outside of the building. I mean, it's you, you need training for it, unfortunately. But if you train the people, I mean, they can certainly do it. And you can set your place up so you know that there's no bags to be left around, this sort of thing. You know how to sweep it quickly and you can deal with it. But it's uh, it's training that you have to take place. Okay, let's hear from William in Toronto. Hi, William. Hello. Um, I hope I can put this forth uh, uh, across uh, in a good way and you guys can help me out. Um, uh, Mr. McLean is doing a very good job of putting uh, wild, spe- piecing wild speculation together. Eventually, he's going to come up with a real story. This is his job. Uh, I'm not so good at doing such things, but I'll, I'll try it anyways. Um, it is my um, concern that uh, uh, Canadian core values and ethics have slid to almost non-existence, and uh, they've um, opened up... Uh, uh, for this kind of thing to see th- uh, through, and uh, and a lot of people are disgruntled, and and the court system or the police won't do nothing about it, uh, as an example, and uh, and and the court system is not as it should be, and people just take things into their own hands. Um, with Alex Messian, uh, uh, and w- w- what he did. Uh, that young and um, and Finch, uh, there was a disgruntled person that uh, that uh, <clears throat> had no ethics and values because and uh, uh, core values because they let them slide. And if the and if he did have those uh, core values, no one paid any attention to him. So th- this is all the these are all symptoms that you're talking about. But the cause is. The Canadian core values and ethics have to be uh, uh, implemented and uh, 
people have to be taken seriously and treated with respect, and he just can't be um, ignored and not dealt with. Okay, William, thanks very much for that. Okay, good, thanks. Bye. Well, you know, I, I think he brings up an interesting point. As you said, it's hard to express the thought without sounding like you're saying something terrible or something bad. You know, you could be called anti-immigrant or something. But as you know, on this show... He didn't say the word immigrants. Exactly. And, no, no. Uh, See, Alex, I'm getting in trouble just because yeah, I'm trying to talk about it here. Well, Alex, he mentioned the van attack as a Canadian-born young man. No. Uh, Disgruntled listen. about his love life. Exactly. Let me finish this part yeah. off though, that I was going to say. Whenever we're on this show, we get calls in, and we get calls in from people who have immigrated here a long time ago, and they're all, they got strong Canadian values. They're some of the strongest people who care about things who call in. And I think the problem that he's talking about is there is a subset of that. There is a subset of people, first and second generation, who this is... They don't have the same values. Their values are the same as they are back in some countries where there is no care for values. And I'm not picking on any particular country, but I can tell you I can go back to all of the Somalian violence that took place here with Somalian immigrants who came in. You looked at the number of people murdered. We had 60, 70 people murdered. Three quarters of them must have been victims of that or from that community for doing it. And it's because they, they get people who don't have the value for life. So that's something that we do have to guard against. It's not a politically correct thing to say. And I could name other groups. It's not just the Somalian oh, groups. Th- it's there, out, there's- we have, um, there is a history of people who come here and bring the uh, violence and disagreements and threats from, from the old country. There are people here, like yeah. particularly Eritrean people, who who they are. They have family members back home that they're told if they don't pay their tax over here, something will happen to their family members. And you know, so there's all kinds of twenty years ago. Things. It was the former Yugoslavia. Yeah. So it takes a while for these things to dissipate. The thing is here that we don't know what it was, and it could be anything. And we are seeing people who have various grievances about life that have nothing to do with where they come from are acting out violently. So, yes, and, you know, to call those Canadian values, I would call them basic human values. I think all good people have them. Well, uh, yeah, but, you know, you know, I, it's, it's interesting. I, I myself, when I talk about these issues a lot, I, people talk about things being racist or this and that. I think a lot of them, quite frankly, can be cultural values, cultures that come over that, that don't treat things certain ways. We've seen it with honor killings, right? So there's certain things, and you can't say it without being politically incorrect, but I, I agree with you. We're all people. We all bleed the same. We all got red blood, and we all want to have family, and we all want to do well. But when you have problems going on, like that we're seeing around the world, we didn't get a chance to talk about what happened over in Belgium. Uh, two police officers killed, another person shot uh, doing some things. It's, it's a concern. So we have to look out. Be aware. Absolutely, Ross. We have to look out. And things are changing. And again, we've been very fortunate here with uh, freedom and not worrying about our safety. And chances are that things are going to get a little more strict in that respect. I don't think it's a huge imposition to have your bags checked when you go into the theater. You already have them checked at the airport, checked at the courthouse, checked at any number of places. You know, there are some retail stores I go into and they take my bag and lock it up. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, but the reason that you get checked at those other places that's leading to these places was because of terrorism in the first place. Yeah. That's why that became natural. And now it's seeping down to, to other things. And look, we just wish all the success in the world to the people up in Stratford. And people should keep on going. The police are on it. Once the police are on something, no one's going to go back there and cause trouble again. If they do, they're going to be in trouble. Okay, well, uh, that's a good note. So... Go to Stratford, go to Shaw, go uh, to enjoy our uh, go to enjoy our cultural season. But I see that we have a call from somebody who is in the theater, so we're going oh. to take that one before we switch gears. Hi, Keith. Hey, how you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm pretty good. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I got published a, a website called Stratford Festival Review, so I've been coming mm. to the festival for over ten years, and I just wanted to echo what you've been saying and let let folks know that. Uh, everything was so calm and, and amazingly um, well done. You know, there was no panic. You know, there were limousines coming. There were stretch SUVs. and Probably no- with uh, all the important people and the board members. So just set the scene for us. What time were you there? When were you told to leave? Uh, just set the scene, please. Yeah, I was. There were some people in the theater. The, there was a, a, an official reception. I was not there, but I spoke to people who were there. I was there at around probably quarter after seven or so approaching the theater. So it's quite idyllic. It's the beautiful woods and grass and the homes and the gardens. But as I approached the theater, you could see some of the police vehicles with the flashing lights and the police officers were outside and the people all, you know, sort of dressed up, but with no place to go, just standing around. And, and uh, initially they didn't say what the, it was. They didn't mention it was a bomb threat, but soon after that, the word uh, got out. And it was unbelievable, really. Yeah. And so what did you do? Well, I, I wanted to get a closer look. I thought maybe, uh, you know, I didn't know. I just wanted to get a closer look. And I took some photos, and then I talked to some people, and, and then I drove to the other theater. Both the theaters were closed, the, the, the Festival Theater and the Avon Theater, which is downtown. And, um, and then, you know, I went home, and I was a bit taken aback by this bomb threat. But I looked up the Canadian crime statistics, and I was pleased to see that, according to the last statistics I could find, uh, uh, that kind of severe crime is actually on the decrease in the last 10 years in Canada. So according to the Stats Canada, we're in a safer place than we were 10 years ago, which was really uh, comforting to me. So just to clarify, people had not taken their seats before the theater was closed. Some people were, yeah, some people were in the theater and, and some people were not. So we had a convergence of people exiting the theater and people walking towards the theater. Okay. And did you talk to any people? How did people react? Uh, it was, as I said, people, I mean, I think there was a bit of shock and disappointment and some people were sad that, that this kind of activity would be going on. I mean, um, and people were obviously uh, uh, sad that they were going to get to see Martha Henry do this wonderful Shakespeare play on the special night, opening night. But, um, yeah, there was, as I said, it was surprisingly calm. And locally, have you heard any information on the motive, what it might have been? No, I'm in Stratford again right now, and I'll be at that same theater tonight attending a show, and it's my understanding that they're going to have bag checks like they do in some theaters in Europe and, and hockey rinks. And, you know, if you go to see a Jays game, you got to have your stuff uh, taken a look at. But I, at this point, I haven't heard anything about a motive, and uh, nothing has been released. So yeah, I think it's too early to speculate on, on what that might have been. I can't think of one. I can't honestly think of one. 
Okay. Uh, Keith, uh, oh, Ross has a question. No, I, no, I was just actually going to make a statement there saying that that's why the motive is important. Because the motive, if you know it comes from a certain group, you know they have certain ways of doing their violence or causing their, pro- causing their problems, then you know how to defend against them better. Keith, uh, we're going to let you go. Why don't you tell us about your what, what's your website where people can catch up with the goings-on in Stratford? Yeah, thanks so much. It's pretty simple to find Stratford Festival reviews. I collect all the reviews so you can find out what the best show to see is for you. I get restaurant reviews and everything, stratfordfestivalreviews.com. And as I said, I'll be there tonight. I feel perfectly safe. I'm going to be there. My family's coming on Saturday to see To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, and as you said earlier, it's just so important that we have the right. I lived in places where gathering for art and, and freedom of expression was prohibited. Uh, so it's really important to continue to gather and, uh, and let ourselves express ourselves freely. Okay, Keith, uh, really appreciate your call. Thanks for that. And uh, have a good time tonight. I'm sure it'll be a great show. Yes, it will. Thanks so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye for now. You know, it's an interesting note he ended on there. He said there's places, he comes from a place where you couldn't always go to these uh, cultural exhibits for, freely. And we have to remember that and, you know, protect that that we have here in Canada. It's a great value that we have to be able to do that, to go watch things. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. Ross McLean, thanks so much for being with us. And we will be back with a different aspect of your security, the security of your money. Yesterday, we found out about a breach at two big banks. So we're going to be talking about what you need to do to protect your cash. We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.